0: Why is man, in his brief stint upon this earth, so confident in his knowledge of the unseen, of eternity, and of God, or as many hope in the lack thereof? What is this self-deluding confidence? I am reminded of the threefold human psychosis identified by psychology. We think we're better looking than we are, smarter than we are, and better skilled than we are. Today's potside philosophers sit around the societal campfires and expound on their great insights into these hard subjects with nearly no credible knowledge at all. The needed humility and godly fears woefully missing, therefore, their ignorance is bottomless. How marvelous it is that the God who created the earth and its universe out of that which is invisible left us a book of knowledge— a book of instructions on how to navigate all this life and even store up riches where neither moss nor rough doth corrupt or where thieves do break through nor steal, Matthew 6.20. This marvelous, beautiful book cannot be accessed by the potside philosophers, only by the childlike. Have you yet to be born again? Are you ready to exercise your childlike faith, and you have it, and believe upon Jesus Christ, who is the beautiful book? Will today be your day of salvation, where all your sin and shame is expunged from your record and Satan's bondage is broken? The invisible door that blocks you from the marvelous knowledge of all that is good and perfect will swing wide open today. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions, and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said Deuteronomy twenty-three ten through 14 If there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness that chanceth him by night, then shall he go abroad out of the camp, he shall not come within the camp. But it shall be, when evening cometh on, he shall wash himself with water." and when the sun is down, he shall come into the camp again. Thou shalt have a place also without the camp, whither thou shalt go forth abroad, and thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. And it shall be, when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, thou shalt dig therewith, and shalt turn back, and cover that which cometh from thee. For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp, to deliver thee, and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee, and turn away from thee. God said, Luke eleven thirty four through 36 The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness." If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, even was the even excuse me, when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Man said, I love my sin, and I don't need a god to spoil my pleasure. Get lost, God. What? What did the doctor say? I have two weeks to live. Oh God, oh God, save me. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it works. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, Feature 908. This feature will once again certify the pure, supernatural inerrancy of God's holy Bible. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and to participate in the opening of the eyes of the blind. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May the God of peace and love be multiplied unto you. This glorious feature will highlight God-proofs 171 to 175. Let the edification of childlike faith begin. God-proof, 171, Deuteronomy twenty three ten through 14 If there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness that chanceth him by night, then shall he go abroad out of the camp, he shall not come within the camp. But it shall be, when evening cometh on, he shall wash himself with water, and when the sun is down, he shall come into the camp again. Thou shalt have a place also without the camp, whither thou shalt go forth abroad and thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. And it shall be, when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, thou shalt dig therewith, and shalt turn back, and cover that which cometh from thee. For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee, and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he may see no unclean thing in thee, and turn away from thee." The Bible is replete with instructions concerning personal and societal hygiene. Thousands of years before modern medical sciences revelations concerning hygiene, God's Word set forth strict commandments, and those who obeyed reaped the benefits of doing the right thing. In Dr. J.S. Rubin's book, The Maker's Diet, you'll find the following. Forensic examinations of mummified Egyptians indicate the upper-class Egyptians didn't receive much benefit from the best that Egyptian physicians had to offer. They suffered from many of the same diseases that afflict us today. They had a taste of unhealthy foods and a blatant disregard for hygiene. In contrast, the Israelites followed advanced hygiene practices according to the divine instructions given to Moses and they enjoyed an extraordinary resistance to sickness and disease. God's hygiene system is remarkably up-to-date. In fact, modern hospitals everywhere follow nearly every one of the original guidelines God laid out in the Bible. Dr. Reginald Cherry writes of biblical hygiene practices in his book The Bible Cure and mentions the following. The Bible cures, rules of hygiene, found in the Torah were so effective that the colonial army under General George Washington followed them. General Washington ordered the army under General McDougal's command to follow the hygiene prescribed in the Deuteronomic cure as military rules for hygiene and policing the camps. The Bible cure that Washington ordered as a military procedure states, If there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness, that chanceth him by night, then shall he go abroad out of the camp, he shall not come within the camp. But it shall be, when evening cometh on, he shall wash himself with water, and when the sun is down, he shall come into the camp again. Thou shalt have a place also without the clamp, whither thou shalt go forth abroad, and thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon. And it shall be, when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, Thou shalt dig therewith, and shalt turn back, and cover that which cometh from thee. For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp, to deliver thee, and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he may see no unclean thing in thee, and turn away from thee. Deuteronomy 23, 10-14. George Washington specifically observed, in the history of these people, The soldiers must admire the singular attention that was paid to the rules of cleanliness. They were obliged to wash their hands two or three times a day. Foul garments were counted abominable. Everything that was polluted or dirty was absolutely forbidden, and such persons as had sores or diseases in their skin were turned out of the camp. The utmost pains were taken to keep the air in which they breathed free from infection. They were commanded to have a place without the camp, whether they should go, and have a paddle with which they should dig, so that when they went abroad to ease themselves, they might turn back and cover that which came from them. Because God's word is inerrant truth, every commandment has inherent within it a blessing or a curse. Obey and enjoy the blessing of doing the right thing, disobey and suffer the curse of doing the wrong thing. It's just that simple. God Proof 172, Psalms 119, verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Colossians one twelve and 13, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Several features ago God said man said reported that scientists in the last couple of decades have concluded that all physical matter is a product of energy. The earth's energy source is the sun, photons and light. First John chapter 1 verse 5 declares that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is the source of all light and therefore all energy. Scientists now theorize that in the next few decades, the energy that creates all matter will be discovered to itself be created by knowledge and understanding. Note, energy, the source of physical things, will be discovered to be a product of knowledge and understanding. Consider Proverbs 3.19, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. Proverbs 2.6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. God does not do magic. He literally creates all things with his words of knowledge and understanding. Keep in mind John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God is the person. All things are created by God with words. Psalms chapter 3, uh, 33, excuse me, verse 6 and 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth; for he spake, and it was done; he commanded, and it stood fast. God creates all things by Christ Jesus, and Christ's name is the word of God revelation 1930. Everything is made of the words of God, the creation energy, the earth and its universe and everything in it, even your DNA, which has a four-letter alphabet, housing the instructions for life in words, sentences, paragraphs, and volumes. How literal, then, is Proverbs 18.21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Watch how these words of knowledge and understanding create and transform everything. Psalms 119, verse 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. Note, entrance of words giveth light, not just any words, but God's creation words. Science recently discovered that words can be converted to light. Are you still looking for literal? A short excerpt from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Mystery of a Body Filled with Light, Part 2, follows. God gives to His children the amazing ability to harness the power of His creation words, and to convert them into light in every cell of the body, in every one of nearly one hundred trillion cells. God speaks of an internal light, one that can fill the body, a light that generates health and life. The skeptics mock at such concepts and lift them up as examples of the ineptness of the Bible. Could Jesus be speaking accurate, accurately in Luke 11:34 through 36 The light of the body is the eye, therefore when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light, but when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore— that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. The principle of a single eye is an eye fixed upon Jesus Christ, the true light, and him alone. When this is accomplished, the Bible says the whole body will be filled with light. How marvelously and literally true is the Word of God! The Bible says, The entrance of thy words, the Word of God, enters the mind and heart and illuminates the whole body one cell at a time. The interaction of words and light at the cellular level is truly staggering, end of quote. Similar to how the godlike eye receives and reads the info carried by light waves and the brain then translates that info into a usable form, the ear receives audio frequencies. The data is then deciphered by the brain, converted into usable forms, and then imagine, your godlike brain can transform that information into physical internal light. Sound impossible? Keep in mind that science has discovered that literal words can be transformed into light. We are made in the image and likeness of God. We are mentally and spiritually designed by God to harness the power of His words, entering our being with the ability to transform those words into light, light that enters the approximate 100 trillion cells in the human body. Microbiology reports that the body cells are equipped with a very sophisticated laser system and communicate with other cells via light. How literal! The headline in the January 2018 issue of Scientific American's Next Frontiers read, Defeating Diseases with Energy. The subhead reads, The cell's mitochondria generate 90% of a body's energy. Could scientists harness that power to fight disease and perhaps even aging? The following excerpt is from that article. The potential energy within a cell is about two-tenths volts but add all these cells up, and the potential energy within a human body is roughly equivalent to a lightning bolt." End of quote. When our eyes are solely fixed upon Jesus Christ, the Word of God, our godlike brains convert those words into light and fill the cells of the body. John one four speaks of Jesus, "...in him was life, and the life was the light of men." Today's science is knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. It's simply amazing. God Proof 173, Genesis eleven one through 9, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth? Did the world once speak one common language? Was there a tower of Babel that the rebellious sons of Adam began to build in direct disobedience to God's word? Did God at this place confound their language, and in so doing create all the world's languages? The following excerpts concerning the Tower of Babel and its historical reality are from Grant Jeffrey's book, Unveiling Mysteries of the Bible. The French government sent Professor M. Opert to report on a number of the cuneiform inscriptions discovered in the ruins of ancient Babylon. Professor Opert translated a long inscription by King Nebuchadnezzar, died 562 B.C., In which the king referred to the ancient tower in the Chaldean language is Barzippa, which means tongue tower. The Greeks used the word Borsippa with the same meaning of tongue tower to describe the ruins of the Tower of Babel. This inscription of King Nebuchadnezzar clearly identified the original tower of Borsippa with the Tower of Babel as described by Moses in the book of Genesis. Nebuchadnezzar was known as the great builder of cities, palaces, and temples to commemorate his pagan gods. In an inscription found on the base of the ruins of the Tower of Babel, King Nebuchadnezzar spoke in his own words, confirming one of the most fascinating events of the ancient past as recorded in the Word of God. This is what Nebuchadnezzar said, "'The tower, the eternal house which I founded and built,' I have completed its magnificence with silver, gold, other metals, stone, enameled bricks, fir, and pine. The first, which is the house of the earth's base, by most ancient monument of Babylon, I built and finished it. I have highly exalted its head with bricks covered with copper. We say for the other, that is, uh, this edifice, the house of the seven lights of the earth, the most ancient monument of Borsippa. A former king built it, they reckon forty-two ages, but he did not complete its head. Since a remote time, people had abandoned it, without order expressing their words. Note, their language was confounded. Since that time, the earthquake and the thunder had dispersed the sun-dried clay, the bricks of the casing had been split, and the earth of the interior had been scattered in heaps. Merodach, the great god, excited my mind to repair this building. I did not change the site, nor did I take away the foundation. In a fortunate month, in an auspicious day, I understood to build porticos around the crude brick masses and the casing of burnt bricks. I adapted the circuits. I put the inscriptions of my name in the kitter of the portico. I set my hand to finish it and to exalt its head. As it had been in ancient days, so I exalted its summit. End of quote. Ancient history certifies holy writ. Godproof, 174, Genesis nineteen seventeen and 26. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Solomon and Gomorrah were being destroyed by God with fire and brimstone. Lot and his wife and two daughters were fleeing the destruction. Instruction was given to them not to look back. Lot's wife disobeyed and was turned into a pillar of salt. In God Proof Number 54 in Part 3 of this series, we discuss the reliability of this biblical account. Concerning ancient, non-biblical historians, footnotes in Josephus' book Antiquities of the Jews, adds this concerning Lot's wife. This pillar of salt was, we see here, standing in the days of Josephus, and he had seen it. That it was standing then is also attested by Clement of Rome, contemporary with Josephus. And also, that it was so in the next century is attested by Irenaeus with the addition of an hypothesis. How it came to last so long with its members entire end of quote. The Word of God is an inerrantly reliable history book, miracles in all, yes, to Lot's wife. God Proof one hundred seventy five Matthew twenty seven, forty five through fifty four. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion, and they that were with him watching Jesus, saw the earthquake— and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Unfortunately for the Christ-deniers, there is a plethora of historic fact that shouts a resounding yes to the biblical record of this Jesus. New research published in the October 2010 issue of Acts and Facts is another addition to the overwhelming empirical evidence stacked up against the enemies of the cross of Christ. The feature was written by renowned geologist Dr. Stephen Austin under the title of Greatest Earthquakes of the Bible. Several paragraphs follow. Recently, geologists have investigated the 4,000-year chronology of earthquake disturbances within the uppermost 19 feet of laminated sediment of the Dead Sea. Hypersaline waters preserve seasonally laminated sediment because organisms cannot live or burrow in the bed of the lake. As a result, only a nearby earthquake or very large distant earthquake can homogenize the lake's uppermost sediment layers, producing a mixed layer devoid of laminations. A sketch of a sediment core from the west side of the Dead Sea appears in figure one. The sketch shows the depth of the mixed layers within the laminated sediment sequence. Two deeper mixed layers in the Dead Sea are datable from historical, archaeological, and geological associations with faulting, the earthquakes of 31 B.C., the Qumran earthquake, and 750 B.C. Amos' earthquake. Other earthquakes are represented in the Dead Sea sediment core with dates approximated by assuming a steady rate of sedimentation. The following excerpts are found under the headings of Ram Earthquake of 31 B.C. and the Crucifixion in Jerusalem, April 3, 33 A.D. About sixty years before the ministry of Christ, a small group of Levites copied scripture onto scrolls at the small village of Qumran, in the desert northwest of the Dead Sea. In 31 B.C., a large earthquake occurred along the Jericho Fault on the western side of the Dead Sea. The earthquake dried up Qumran's main spring and severely cracked the architecture. Spectacular evidence of the earthquake is seen at recent excavations at Qumran in cracked stair steps within the ritual baths. Grooved fault surfaces, what geologists called slickensides, and ground rupture within lake sediment can be observed just south of Quamram. Josephus wrote of the regional devastation from the earthquake, and he said 30,000 men perished. The survivors buried the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the Quamram lay abandoned after the earthquake. The Bible, of course, is completely silent concerning this earthquake and other events during the intertestamental period. No doubt everyone in New Testament times knew of ancestors killed in that event. After three hours of darkness at midday on April 3, 33 A.D., the Lord Jesus exclaimed the words, It is finished, as He died on the cross. Immediately the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn— a great earthquake occurred, rocks were broken, and many dead saints were resurrected from their tombs. The earthquake, upon the death of Christ, called attention to the great salvation that had been accomplished that day on the cross. An outcrop of laminated Dead Sea sediment can be seen at Wadi Zelim, above the uh, southwestern shore of the modern Dead Sea, near the fortress of Masada. In this sediment outcrop is a distinctive one-foot-thick mixed layer of sediment that is tied strongly to the Quamram earthquake's onshore ground ruptures of 31 B.C. Thirteen inches above the 31 B.C. event bed is another distinctive mixed layer less than one inch thick. The sedimentation rate puts this second earthquake about 65 years after the 31 B.C. earthquake. It seems that the crucifixion earthquake of 33 A.D. was magnitude 5.5, leaving direct physical evidence in a thin layer of disturbed sediment from the Dead Sea. Imagine, geologists say yes to Christ's crucifixion. End of quotes. The Word of God is true and righteous altogether. Choose life and live. God said Deuteronomy 23:10 through 14 if there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness, that chanceth him by night, then shall he go abroad out of the camp, he shall not come within the camp. But it shall be, when evening cometh on, he shall wash himself with water. And when the sun is down, he shall come into the camp again. Thou shalt have a place also without the camp, whether thou shalt go forth abroad. And thou shalt have a paddle upon thy weapon, and it shall be, when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, thou shalt dig therewith and shall turn back and cover that which cometh from thee. For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp, to deliver thee, and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee, and turn away from thee. God said, Luke eleven thirty four through 36 The light of the body is the eye. Therefore when thy eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. And when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Man said, I love my sin, and I don't need a God to spoil my pleasure. Get lost, God! What? What did the doctor say? I have two weeks to live? Oh, God! Oh, God, save me! (laughs) And now you have the record.